In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as I said at the beginning of our time today, we are continuing our series called We Are the Church as we take a look at the book of 1 Corinthians. The church, God's family, the body of Christ. Family. They have some family issues going on. If you were here last week, you might remember that we discussed spiritual gifts. And we took a look at how spiritual gifts in the Corinthian church were tearing them apart. These, these gifts that were meant to, to serve the body together, that were meant to unite them, that were to be celebrated, uh, these gifts were, were, were tearing them apart and dividing them into the haves and the have-nots. Did you have the ability to speak in tongues or perform miracles or did you not have them? For those who had them, it became a, post of pr- uh, a, a place of pride and, and boasting. It was something they bragged about. And if you didn't have them, it was a, it was a point of shame in your life. Now today, Paul continues to move forward, and he continues to address, I think, an underlying issue behind even that spiritual gift problem. And the issue he's uh, addressing in today's reading that we heard from, from 1 Corinthians 12 is this idea of exceptionalism that had cropped up among the Corinthians. And I have the, the definition of what that word means, exceptionalism. Uh, exceptionalism is the perception or belief that a country, society, institution, movement, individual, or time period is exceptional or superior. Now, this could apply to just about any area of our life. For example, you might have an attitude of exceptionalism towards the 1950s. Uh, Maybe if that was a time when you were a child growing up, that was an exceptional time to you. And you, you think fondly of that time. To you, there's just no other decade that can compare. Everyone had jobs, everyone had their well-manicured lawns with their houses and the white picket fences and their 2.5 children and the golden retriever in the yard. And, and for you, when you think back upon that time in your youth, that was a, a, an exceptional time, a superior time. No other decade could ever compare to what life was like in the 1950s. Or, or maybe you feel this way just about our country um, in general, America. You feel like we live in the, the best country, the most superior, most exceptional country, and no other land, no other people can ever come close to us as Americans. Or, or maybe you just feel this way about your family. Uh, I hope you love your family, and maybe some of you feel like you have the most exceptional, superior family. The way that you all do things, the, the customs you have, the traditions you do, that, that your family is head and shoulders above every other family. Uh, many of us have uh, attitudes of exceptionalism in different areas of our lives, and it can even happen, Paul's point today, uh, among the church, among individual Christians, and among individual churches. And that's what Paul was really uh, addressing today. In Corinth, there were some individual Christians who had these attitudes of exceptionalism, who puffed out their chest and patted themselves on the back, who were saying, look at me, look at how blessed I am, look at how good I am, look at how valuable I am. Maybe they were the ones that had the gift of, of tongues or, or prophesying, but, but also as a church, Paul is writing to the Corinthians because as a church, they had this attitude of exceptionalism. They looked out over all the other churches in the world at that time and they thought that they were superior, exceptional, head and shoulders uh, above the rest. Now, what I'm not saying, and I don't think Paul is saying, is that it's bad to look fondly upon the 1950s or, or that it's not, bad, it's not a bad thing to be proud of your country or of your church and to enjoy the 
the faith that you've been given and the people that God has surrounded you with. That's not the point at all. And instead, he's talking about an attitude that thinks of oneself or one's church as better than those around it. And, and while that was a problem for the Corinthians, I think the temptation is also there for us, both as individuals and as churches, to think of ourselves as exceptionally superior to everyone else. Uh, we all like to, to pat ourselves on the back sometimes. We would all, I think, like to consider ourselves to be exceptional. And I, I think this attitude can come up in a number of ways. I'll just give you one example, and maybe this is a me problem, but, but I find that when I look at my own sin, uh, I can very easily justify it, make excuses for it. I have lots of good reasons when I make mistakes for why I, I make those mistakes. But sometimes when it comes to other people, we are very quick to judge, aren't we? And we look down on them, uh, we wag our fingers, and, and I believe that stems from an attitude of exceptionalism. We think we're better and, and we can justify anything we do. We have good reasons for, for the mistakes we, we make. It's, it's a problem for individuals, but I, I think it's also a problem for churches. Uh, maybe we might see this in the, the big churches, the mega churches, who look at their numbers and, and all of their programs and, and think to themselves, well, we must be exceptionally superior. Look at how much we do. Look at how many people God is bringing to us. We, we must be better than all of those little churches. We must be superior to them. Uh, look at our numbers. Uh, but I, I think the temptation is also there for, for every kind of church, even smaller churches like ours. And, and maybe we don't find our superiority in our numbers or our attendance records, but, but maybe smaller churches find their uh, attitudes of exceptionalism, uh, maybe they would say, well, well we're more obedient. We have the truth on our side. Uh, and we work hard. We're, we're busy. Uh, per, per capita, we do more than, than any other church. Or, or we're a superior church because we're a welcoming church. You don't just get lost in a, a sea of numbers like at all those other big churches. We are superior in our own little way. This, this attitude uh, can, can be tempting no matter the circumstance for individuals and for churches, big or for small. And I, I think Paul's point in, in writing 1 Corinthians is, is to dismiss that. He's saying there's no time, no place for this kind of thinking. <laughs> and in God's church, we are one. And yes, we are all individuals and we all have parts to play. We all have immense, exceptional value. But none of us is superior. None of us is better. No individual and no church. Uh, this is how Paul put it in our reading for today. You heard these words. Let me share just a few with them again. Uh, Paul wrote, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Paul is reminding us that, yes, we are each individually valued members, but we are part of something that is much bigger than us. <laughs> I, I find these words, our reading for today, uh, I find them to be, on the one hand, challenging, and on the other hand, comforting. I think they challenge us for those moments when we would pat ourselves on the back and stick out our chests either as individuals or as churches when we think that we are superior or better than anyone else. Paul's words remind us that we are but a small little part. We are but that little pinky finger or that little strand of hair. We're a part of the body, but we're just a small part of something much bigger. Those words ought to challenge us. But I think they ought to, ought to also comfort us. For those of us, or for all of us at different points in our lives, when, when we feel like we are but that little, little nail on the pinky finger, or we're, we are but one little strand of hair, when we feel weak and insignificant, Paul is reminding us today that, 
that the rest of the body, the rest of the church, the rest of the family just wouldn't be the same without us. We often think to ourselves, I know I've thought this and you probably have too, that, well, if I don't show up to church next Sunday, what's the big deal? No one will notice me. Nothing will change. They'll continue worshiping as they always have. My attendance will not have an impact on the rest of the body. And Paul's point is precisely the opposite. That as small and as insignificant as you might feel, you have an important role in this larger family. The rest of us wouldn't be the same without us here. A, a body wouldn't be a body. It wouldn't be a complete and whole body even without that little nail on the pinky finger. It could still function, sure, but, but, but something would be missing, and that's not right. Uh, I, I was reminded of this, both of the challenge and of the comfort in an article I was reading this week. Uh, I mentioned that this is a problem for individuals and churches, uh, but I was reminded it can also be an issue something to watch out for among denominations. And here we're a part of the denomination called the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And I read this week that each month, every single month, in one month across the world, there are more Christians made, more new people come to faith in one month than there are total members in our church body. And that was a challenge to me. Uh, it was a reminder uh, for, for a pastor in this church body that the, that the church across the world does not begin and end with the LCMS, <laughs> that we are not the beginning and the end. We are not the sum total of worldwide Christianity. We are but a small little sliver of something much, much bigger. That was a challenge to me if, if I were to have an attitude of, of exceptionalism towards our church body. But I also found it, as I was reading it, in light of our words for today from 1 Corinthians 12, I found it to be an immense comfort. It was a reminder to me that our little sliver of a church body, as small and, and maybe even as insignificant as we might feel, as unnoticed as we are by much of the world, uh, if we were to go throughout much of the world and, and say, what do you think about the LCMS, people would not know what that means. As insignificant as we might feel sometimes, Paul's words remind us that we have an important part, a crucial part, a significant part to play in the worldwide church, that the rest of the world, uh, worldwide Christianity, would not be the same without the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And that God has brought us all into this thing, this funny-sounding acronym, LCMS, for an important part, for a purpose, and that Christianity wouldn't be the same without us. Uh, Paul is so insistent on this fact that even the smallest uh, Christian, even the most seemingly insignificant, forgotten, nameless, weak Christian is significant, that this is what he would go on to say in our reading for today. Uh, Paul says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Uh, Paul wants us to look out and see those Christian brothers and sisters, maybe those churches, maybe those other denominations who from the outside might seem insignificant, who might be forgotten. And Paul wants to see them and treat them with special honor. And so the, the question that I couldn't get away from this week that was just kind of going through my mind uh, hearing these words is, how do we do that? Which I think is always a good question to ask when God tells you to do something, right? It's always good to ask, well, okay, how do I do that? When he tells you to love your neighbor, the first question we should wonder is, how do I do that? What does that look like? 
in 21st century America. And, and so I wondered this week, well, how do we show special honor, great and glorious honor to the little pinky finger na- little strand of hair, to the brother or sister in Christ that is unnoticed and forgotten and who feels so insignificant? And I thought about this I don't know that I have the answer. Well, I know that I don't have all the answers to that. And I, I do think that there's a lot of freedom in that. It can look very different from person to person and time to time. There are lots of ways, uh, innumerable number of ways that we together as living Christ can show special honor to each and every brother and sister. Uh, but I, I thought of three things as a starting point for us today to, to begin our discussion on how we can do this, how we can live these words out. And, and I thought that we could notice, listen, and pray. And, and we could talk about how we do that amongst denominations and churches, but instead I would like to focus this list our little. And, and so I wonder, how can we all notice the members of the body, our brothers and sisters, who are, who are seemingly insignificant, weak, forgotten, who are hiding in the shadows, or who, or who maybe haven't been with us for some time? How, how do we notice them? How do we notice the brother or sister, the equal member in the body of Christ, that invaluable person? How do we notice them? Uh, I, I think it starts with noticing. Noticing the person who maybe comes into church quietly and leaves just as silently, that the person that we've been meaning to talk to and get to know a little bit, but there's always something more important to do, uh, someone more important to talk to, maybe it's, it's time we notice them. Or, or maybe it's time we notice the person we've been trying not to notice. <laughs> that is the person we've been avoiding for some time because of their political views or the sports team they cheer for or, or because uh, we know that once the conversation starts, it's going to last 35, 40 and so we've been trying to avoid them, stay away from them. Uh, maybe it's time to begin to notice them again as a way of honoring them as an equal, equally valued member of the body of Christ. And, and then maybe it, it continues by listening to them, <laughs> listening to that person talk about the sports team that we can't stand, listen to that person uh, talk about the Democrats or the Republicans that we would never vote for, listen to the person who comes in quietly and leaves just as silently, giving them a voice as a means to honor them, hearing their story and what God is doing in their life, listening for what God might be trying to tell us through them. And then I believe we pray. Uh, We pray for them. We pray for every Christian that feels insignificant, every brother or sister that feels unworthy, every who feels unnoticed, who, who feels like, well, if I don't show up at church next week, no one will care, no one will notice, life will go on. We, we pray for them, that they would see their value in Christ, that they would know that they are God's child and that he loves them with an everlasting love. We pray that they would know of their Savior's amazing grace for them. We, we pray that, that we would see the value in them as well, that we would, would know and trust and believe of what God thinks of them. And we pray that that God would open up our hearts and our ears and our eyes so that we could find more and more ways to show them the special honor that they deserve. See, God is reminding us today that that we are all important, crucial pieces. And though we might be but a little pinky finger or a little strand of hair, we are part of something so much bigger, so much greater, so much more glorious, the body of Christ God's family. And there's just no room for exceptionalism in God's church. 
what there is room for are a whole lot of exceptional people. <laughs> you see, we are exceptional, but what makes us exceptional is our exceptional God. An exceptional God who, who loved us with an exceptional love, <laughs> who did the exceptional thing in sending his son Jesus, making that most exceptional of sacrifices. That's what makes us who we are. That's what unites us as one. That, that's what makes us exceptional in God's eyes. Brothers and sisters, may we ever treat one another as God's exceptional children. In his name, amen.